Oh my gosh, but like, I feel really kind of, really? <laughs> the buns. Oh my gosh. It's not even the same bun. How is it that the buns know yeah. when I'm going to record? Well, I'm sure, to start have shooting. they met MJ before? They might be. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I've held both of them. That's weird. That's weird. They're little brats. Little brats. Yes, they are. They are such little brats. Um, if it makes you feel a little bit better, it's hard for me to notice until you point it out. Like, I mean, I can tell that okay. there's something, but it's not quite like, what the hell is making all that noise? So it's not really distracting. <laughs> it might be so on your end because you're in the same room as them. <laughs> yeah, it was just really confusing for a minute because I was like, is that on her end? Mm. And if so, like, does she need to fix that? <laughs> no, it's I don't need the to fix anything. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get to the episode. here watched Sailor Moon as a kid because I 100% watched Sailor Moon. I was obsessed. <laughs> but yeah, I feel kind of bad because when we did our Saturday morning cartoons episode, I didn't mention any of the anime that I watched as a kid. Mm. And part of it was for time factors, but part of it was also like, this is a can of worms that I'm just like oh, not totally. To I mean, right I think now. it does deserve an episode of its own. You know, if you if you felt like you couldn't really, if you felt like you couldn't really get into it enough in just a general cartoon episode, then yeah, maybe it's a good thing we're kind of talking about. Or I just gave it away. We didn't even reveal what we were talking about. No, we didn't. <laughs> you ruined the surprise, Carmen. The surprise that all of the listeners know about the second they read the title, the update, and see the title of it. You ruined it. <laughs> That's it. Episode's over. Sorry, guys. We can't do it anymore. <laughs> we're done. Kid Whiskers and Kanye is closed. Closed. Oh, man. <laughs> closed for business. No, but today we are talking about anime, and we're actually talking about one particular anime. It's called One Punch Man, and today, since uh, neither Carmen or myself are particularly qualified to talk about like Japanese culture or, um, you know, just kind of Japan in general. Although you did vin- visit Japan, yeah, uh, I mean, when you were in high school. No, it was in college. It was like a it, it was a weird trip. I didn't. I still, I still don't understand a lot of what what happens or why it happens in Japan. It, that trip was kind of like a dream. It was like a, it, I was like in a daze the whole time. But I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure MJ. I mean, I, I think MJ probably knows a lot more about about yeah. it than I do. Yeah. So we've got our friend Mary Jane with us today. She is the Japan expert. She is oh, studying Japanese and. Uh, has been willing to come on to our podcast today and talk a little bit about one particular anime that she's very passionate about. Hi, MJ. Hi. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Hi. Um, 
Uh, I don't know uh, about your claims of me being the Japanese expert. (laughs) You're the expert. You're the expert. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to woefully underrepresent the Japanese culture. I apologize in advance to any (laughs) Japanese people listening to this. Um, Yeah, no pressure, but Tokyo is actually the uh, city that listens to our podcast the second highest rate oh. after Orem. So oh, great. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. Uh, <laughs> thousands of phone calls. Stop whitewashing our culture. Oh man, thousands. <laughs> That's very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope we have Yeah, that, that would be awesome. That would be great. <laughs> I don't know about being an expert on the culture, but I do know how to write Tokyo in kanji. So <laughs> I think that gives me a little bit of credibility. Totally. Like a tiny bit. <laughs> um, so today, One Punch Man. It's a very popular anime. It came out a couple years ago. Um, I'm not uh, the kind of fan that knows all the voice actors' names. I just know I really love the story. Um, I love the anime. I love the manga. I love the webcomic, uh, which it started out as originally. Oh, cool. So, like, because there's a few webcomics that I check up on on a fairly regular basis. Uh, was One Punch Man, the webcomic, only available, like, on Japanese servers? Or were there, like, fan translations brought over to the U.S.? Or uh, Both of those things. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so it started out as a webcomic. Uh, the author, um, I'm sure he's introduced himself properly by this point, but at the time that he started One Punch Man, he was known simply as One. Nobody knew what he looked like. Nobody knew where he lived. Nothing started this webcomic and what's really uh, one of my favorite things about one and about his webcomic one punch man and about his few later on the webcomic he made called uh, mob psycho 100 mob psycho yes i love mob psycho so much but uh, one of the best things about one is that he is not a manga artist or a manga um it's clear from the style or the lack thereof that he just had this idea and needed to get it out of his head. (laughs) And it is incredibly rough. There's no, it it looks like almost like a little kid is just like scribbling a manga about superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually really cool to watch him progress through his art style and kind of come into his own of what he wants his anime to look like. Well, he's making this one punch man webcomic and, uh, it comes out later on that he needs to stop making this one, this webcomic. And a lot of people were kind of upset because it created this kind of cult following uh, in Japan. And I'm not entirely sure how it was received in the West at that point. Um, But one, one day uh, was contacted by Yusuke Murata or Murata, if you want to get really particular about pronunciation. I'm not the kind of anime fan that's like, (laughs) it's pronounced manga. Right. It's okay. (laughs) That's all right with me. Actually, thank you for that because I've dealt with those kinds of people. I actually have dealt with full-grown adults with, like, teenage kids who have been very particular about that pronunciation. It's manga. 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 It's three syllables. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that I wonder is, do you go to Japan and correct Japanese people on their English pronunciation? Yeah. Like, of course you have an accent. <laughs> We're <laughs> trying. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I feel you. Yeah, because I feel as long as the effort is there, 
then just just deal with it. Yeah. Just deal. Yeah. <laughs> so one is contacted by Murata Sensei. And Murata Sensei is known as one of the best animators or mangakers in Japan. Like he is incredibly good. His work is very so beautiful and detailed and just cool looking. And he contacts one and says, please don't stop making this webcomic. And also, may I redraw it for you? Because I'm such a huge fan and I, I want to make, you know, I know where you're going with this. I can see that what's what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That is so incredible. So did one <laughs> say why he had to quit? Was it just kind of like a, hey, this can't support me. I just need to focus on stuff that will or? Um, I've heard kind of a, a few stories floating around. One was... Uh, kind of a lack of support he had fans but also you know he's a grown man in japan and you know just a grown man in general kind of has to support himself um i've heard that he didn't really have a whole lot of support from people that he knew in real life kind of around him um and i've heard that he also had some medical problems at one point that was interfering with Mm. being on Mm -hmm. top of uh, updating regularly um just to kind of feel real life yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it happens. Murata sensei contacts him, asks if he can redraw this anime to make it look incredibly awesome, and one agrees to this. And so uh, there's at this point the webcomic and then the manga. And the manga is just like so cool looking, and it's just like everything that, you know, a shonen anime or an anime meant aimed at men uh, or young boys is supposed to look like like the heroes are so cool and the explosions and everything. I love that so yeah. much because, like, I mean, at one point I did kind of dream of making some sort of graphic novel or webcomic. And this is back when I was in, like, high school and I was like, I can be anything I want to be. And, of course, being a teenager, I wanted to be something different every five weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like, I was like, oh man, wouldn't it be so fun if I illustrated my own story? And I think I got like two pages in of just the rough sketches. And I was like, this is hard. Nah. <laughs> it's time consuming. It is so time consuming. So that would be like a dream come true for anybody that's had to or that's pursued that dream before of like having somebody really really good at drawing just being like yeah just give me the script and i'll take care of everything else <laughs> like a literal dream come true yeah. i freaking love this story so Munota sensei makes this offer one accepts it starts illustrating this manga uh, eventually it really starts to take traction in the west <laughs> pretty soon after actually because Munota sensei is pretty well known and the story itself is pretty cool. So it gains traction in the West, and consequently, generally the pattern in Japan is before it becomes an anime, it's a manga. Because manga generally uh, is a lot cheaper to make, and generally requires a smaller team of people. Mm. And so it's not really until recently, like in the last 30 years or so, that things start out as TV shows. Um, usually they have to prove themselves first through uh, kind of in the written novel, illustrated novel arena. Oh yeah, because I I vaguely remember a story about actually Miyazaki when he started out. Yeah. Hmm. That he wanted to do, I think it was Nausicaa. Yeah. And like 
he couldn't just jump in and make the movie. He had to do a, a manga first, yeah. right? I've been really interested in reading the manga, and I had the opportunity when I lived in Las Vegas when I was a teenager, and I didn't take that opportunity. Oh. And now I'm just, like, kicking myself in the butt because, I mean, it looks exactly like a Ghibli film, just on paper. Yeah. And, I, yeah, now I just can't believe I did not do that thing. <laughs> so I... Uh... <laughs> I don't often get attached to TV shows. Like I was probably going to offend all the people, the thousands of people that are listening to this thousands. right now. The thousands. Um, <laughs> soon to be millions. Yes. Um, Surely all of our uh, podcast sponsorships are going to just be pouring oh, yes. in. Yes. We'll have to decide between uh, Casper mattresses, <laughs> uh, Blue Apron. Who else are the standard podcast sponsors? I have no idea. Um, Totoro himself is going to call. <laughs> Totoro himself. Mr. Ghibli. That, I, would ban- I would flip out. I would flip out. <laughs> I'm going to text Carmen and be like, Totoro contacted us. Oh my gosh. We should make a Totoro uh, Twitter page, actually. What would, if Totoro could talk, what kind of stuff would he say? <laughs> what kind of stuff would he tweet about? I don't about? know. I think he's too chill for Twitter uh, is the problem. He'd be Instagram. He'd have the beautifully crafted yes. Instagram photos with no captions. Yes. <laughs> Totoro is Instagram. Who, like, what Ghibli character would be on Twitter? I don't know. I think, well, I think almost every single villain. Oh, yeah. Yes. The very pedantic um, mm-hmm. monologuing ones. Yubaba, I think, would have one. Actually, I think Yubaba would have a Facebook page Yubaba. for her bathhouse. For her bathhouse. Uh-huh. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, she'd have a Facebook page for her bathhouse. Maybe the Witch of the Waste. Definitely. Okay, I got it. Okay. The Witch of the Waste from Howl's Moving Castle. She would have a Twitter account. I see. I feel like she has a lot to say. Gotta get it out. Very yeah. sure of herself. Very, yeah. Extremely confident constantly getting into twitter wars it has figured out how to do twitter curses <laughs> definitely yeah has some kind of weird uh typing tick where she like capitalizes the first word of every yeah like, the first letter of every word <laughs> totally mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. misuses quotations yeah. or you're just like wait <laughs> what <laughs> like and what she's saying on top of that is incredibly condescending and just like snarky <laughs> Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to take this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What were we talking yep. about? So I I don't get attached to TV shows. And Audrey knows this. I have a really hard time even starting to watch TV shows, continuing to watch TV shows and books. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to offend the now billions of subscribers <laughs> by uh, telling them that I actually was not sad when Fred Weasley died. Oh. Um, I honestly didn't even care at that point. Ouch. Um, I'm not going to get into why. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but Nausicaa of the Valley of Wind, I have read the manga three times now, and I cry every time oh. at the same spot. It is so good. Wow. Um, I, I bought a copy for my roommate for her birthday one year. Because I was just like, she talked about, I want to read this so much. And I was like, this is one of the best mangas ever. <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, I don't care that for You know, enough people did. I think, you know, he will be remembered. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I think everybody had their, like, Harry Potter death that yes. they cared a little bit more about than others. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Hedwig. I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't care about Dobby dying. Me neither. No. <laughs> and a lot of people did. And I was just like, he wasn't in the books enough. Yeah, I really cared about he Hedwig like, dying and, yeah. and Sirius Black. Uh, is it too late in the, you know, in the whole series thing to have to give spoiler alerts? I just thought about that. <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been it's been out for almost two decades, I think. Uh, so yeah. maybe. Yeah. Who cares? No spoilers. If you haven't read it at this point, I don't really care if I spoil it. <laughs> if you haven't read it at this point, you deserve to be spoiled. Yeah. Yes. I actually knew a guy who tried to tentis me on that. And I was like, no, if you haven't seen there's it a now, certain amount of time. You're not. I don't need to edit everything that I say just on the off chance that I might spoil a movie. Yeah. Go out and watch it if it's important to you. That's redonk. Redonk. So the legend of one, One Punch Man eventually becomes an anime. Uh, It has an anime adaptation, which is also excellent and is animated very well. And that's how we are where we're at. Just with uh, lots of fans all over the world uh, who are fans of all three mediums, uh, all three versions. And uh, there are People who are really into it regularly keep up with, you know, there's probably going to be a season two of the anime. Uh, the books are still coming out. Naruto uh, Sensei's uh, redrawing. And also the webcomic itself is still being updated. Uh, not super regularly, last I heard, but it's still, it's not abandoned by any means. Uh-huh. And it's just awesome. And I just want to talk a little bit about why. It's, uh, is a shining star in the field of anime and manga. Cool. That's what the show's all about. Oh, shining star. <laughs> Audrey, it's beautiful. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have my voice back. P.S. Hi, guys. This is Audrey, as a little aside. I actually completely lost my voice earlier this week. And now that I have it back, I am abusing it out of just sheer joy of being able to talk again. So yeah, if you hear me make weird noises, that would be why. Is because just you don't don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about why. Let's let's lay down some base ground because like I Ooh confession time. Hi. I was almost a weeaboo growing up. Oh uh, in in high school. And it was that like terror that sheer terror of like being associated with those folks yeah. uh that kept me from being like all in when i was I, growing up it's the exact same situation i actually avoided mentioning that i watched naruto because because it's just the weeaboo kids at my school were so scary like it's just uh, like, i don't want to no i just want to watch my anime in peace yes. i don't want to be associated yeah. with anybody i just want to like what i like exactly yeah, yeah. and like I I got some flack from some of my friends just for watching Ghibli films. And mm-hmm. like it's the most pure, precious thing you can watch in the fandom of being a weeaboo. Yeah. Like it barely even counts. I know people who watch Ghibli films and they don't watch any other Japanese media at all besides that. So like it barely counts. But yeah, like I grew up watching Sailor Moon, Pokemon. Uh, I watched Yu-Gi-Oh for a little bit with my younger siblings. Uh, Card Captor Sakura, mm-hmm. watched that. I was super into a lot of stuff. My brother was really into Dragon Ball Z, and I actually 
ended up watching almost the entire Dragon Ball Z <laughs> series a few years ago uh, during a rather dark time of my life where I was unemployed and had a lot of free time on my hands. Not not that watching Dragon Ball Z made it dark, but watching Dragon Ball Z, like the entire series over the course of about two weeks, definitely is not a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super duper not. So... Uh, not, not quite a weeaboo, was almost there, but, uh, I do have kind of a basic knowledge of some of the culture around the way that, uh, manga and anime works. It's generally divided up into a couple of different genres, right? Mm. Yes. Uh, the two genres, uh, the one genre that we're really going to focus on today is shonen anime or shonen manga. Shoujo is generally aimed at young women, um, and tends to be more romantic and fluffy and kind of follow different tropes. Shonen manga is generally meant for boys uh, and it follows certain guidelines and certain expectations uh, that give kind of lessons of what it is to be a young man. Admirable traits according to Japanese culture of what a man should aspire to. I think to get uh, really into that we need to kind of talk about One Punch Man in terms of plot. One Punch Man is a typical superpower manga. Um, there's bad guys, which are mysterious beings um, that have sh- started showing up one day randomly. Uh, they have various origins. Some uh, started out as people and became monsters. Others seem to start from inanimate objects. For instance, there's the one mysterious being who refers to himself as Vaccine Man. <laughs> and uh, he was born from all of the waste and pollution in the world, and he has come to exact his revenge or whatever he says. In an effort to protect humanity uh, and also to fill his uh, plethora of time that he has as a recently laid off uh, office worker, salary man, he endeavors to become a hero as a hobby. Um, and after enduring a very ordinary workout routine for the modest amount of one year and six months, also fighting various mysterious beings off screen, he achieves immeasurable strength. That is not an understatement. Saitama gets his name One Punch Man by literally one punching all of the enemies that he comes across. It's to the point where he punches an enemy and most of the time, they literally explode from the force of his fist hitting them. <laughs> and uh, you'd think Saitama would be really psyched about this, um, but he isn't. He's actually quite depressed about the fact that he can no longer find any thrill in what he does. Aww. He goes about punching these mysterious beings in the hopes that one of them will at least live longer than one punch, and they never do. And haven't for quite some time at the at this by the start of the manga. To understand why this is important in terms of tropes um, and to why it is kind of this parody or subversion, uh, we have to talk a little bit about Shintoism and cool. the Japanese spirit. Um, now Shintoism's a religion, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I as part of my brief almost weeaboo stage. I did get a little bit into, like, actual, real Japanese culture, and I was always fascinated by Shintoism because it seemed to be particularly heavy on the, like, I don't know, kind of mystical aspects of life. Yes, um, it it definitely is very unique uh, to kind of Japanese and Asian culture. Um, it's not entirely 
different, but for in the West, especially in the U.S., we're kind of used to seeing everything through a Christian lens. And we're kind of taught to see everything through a Christian lens. And we, we live, we die, we go to heaven or hell, depending on our yes. deeds. Yes. Um, so what I'm going to, I think I'm just going to quote this uh, from the Encyclopedia of Shinto. And what we are defining is Yamato Dimashi, which is translated literally as the Japanese spirit. Uh, kind of the idea is, this is what it is to be Japanese. Pulled from the Encyclopedia of Shinto, it says, Yamato Dimashi refers to an inherent faculty of common sense wisdom, resourcefulness, and prudent judgment that is characteristic of and unique to the Japanese people. It is a term used to express such ideas as the essential purity and resolute spirit of the Japanese people, the wish for the peace and security of the nation, and the possession of a strong spirit and emotion that will meet any challenge, even at the expense of one's own life. This becomes important when it comes to tropes, because uh, these ideas show up a lot in, especially shonen anime. TV Tropes, uh, the website, conveniently organizes this kind of thinking into three main ideas. One is uh, koyu, which is the idea that someone has a kind of born talent. You know, they're especially musically gifted, or they are good at talking, or... They have a huge arm span and a very large lung and heart capacity and therefore can win Olympic medals swimming or things like that. The so if I'm good at everything, <laughs> do I fall under that? Okay, Audrey. If you are born <laughs> if you're if you are born with those traits, then yes. Uh, I'm born with all of them. Okay. <laughs> then you are uh, known as a born winner, according to TV Tropes. Nice! Uh <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing any of these uh, just uh, to the thousands, millions of Japanese people that are listening to this right now. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. probably really mispronouncing this. Please be patient with me. <laughs> Chi is the second one that uh, this is kind of described as a moral code, knowing that stealing is wrong and therefore not stealing and having that kind of internal resolve. And this resolve is so strong that nothing can break it. Uh, no amount of money offered or extreme circumstances or whatever can cause you to not be true to yourself, essentially, and to Japanese culture as a whole, mm -hmm. your identity. The third quality is seishin, and this is most commonly represented in shonen anime as the idea that if you just try harder or believe in yourself more or just train for a thousand billion years that you will eventually succeed. Uh, for those who watch typical shonen anime, especially those that are tend to be pretty popular, uh, like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, what is highly accessible to the US, you'll probably be able to point out these traits at some point in the in the anime that you're watching. So like I I know I keep on going back to Dragon Ball Z, but I that's kind of like a couple of those tropes incarnate, right? Like yes. when Goku's about to go Super Saiyan and he's standing there and I know that it's almost a parody of itself at this point. Yes. Where he's just standing there and he's like ah, screaming until he reaches Super Saiyan and so like literally that's just believing in himself to the point of yeah ascending to the next level. Yes. I love that. I love that there's a name for it. Yes. Naruto is probably the most commonly watched shonen anime in the West mm -hmm. when people think of anime. They tend to think of Naruto, sometimes Bleach. Naruto actually has all three of these. 
just in Naruto himself. Hmm. Naruto is a born winner. He pronounces his koyu as gift or a trait by being the son of the past leader of the village and having a demon inside him that gives him incredible power, more powerful than anybody else. Mm. He doesn't know it yet at the beginning of the story, but it still, it eventually is going to become a part of why he can do what he can Mm -hmm. do. He possesses the chi principle in that he has various beliefs that he's completely unyielding on to the point of stupidity sometimes. (laughs) He has this goal that he's going to become Hokage, which is the, the lead person in the village so that he can garner the recognition and acceptance of his peers. And that's kind of what drives him. Seishin, which is the trying harder, that is basically Naruto's whole personality to the point where it's really obnoxious and kind of uh, disrespects other people's (laughs) rights um, and boundaries. Oh no. (laughs) It's not, not to the point of being criminal, but um, I think anybody who watches Naruto, including myself, <laughs> I don't watch it anymore because I'm a 30-year-old woman. But, um, <laughs> but I think anybody who has watched it at some point has been like, oh, Naruto, stop! <laughs> stop it! Now, my next question for you is, how many of these traits does Homestar Runner's Sninko man <laughs> I I don't know. I'd have to do an entirely different episode, I think, on uh, analyzing and interpreting. You know, I, I need to write a thesis paper on that. Yeah. That's really, that's yeah. really deep. I know. And Carmen and I, I think that it would just be really hard for us to have to watch more Homestar Runner. <sighs> Homestar. <laughs> dot com (laughs) i don't know when he says that but he says yeah some sort of ad man i think i think that we've managed to tie homestar runner into about 30 percent of our episodes at this point yeah yeah and that's just really i'm okay with it i just can't help but wonder like how many of our listeners are just completely like, I have no idea. Not even clued in. I don't know. Because you have to be within a certain age oh, range, yeah. I think, to really have gotten into it. And it's a very small age yeah. range, too. I think it's like maybe only a 10 year yeah, for sure. <laughs> range. People from like 25 to maybe 35. Maybe. Totally. Oh, man. Are you asking for a challenge? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> hey, folks. Uh, Homestarrunner.com. Go check it out. Yeah. This is not this is not even is it, an endorsement. Is that is the website still there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. So one more thing that we need to go over before we start talking about Saitama himself and kind of one punch man mm-hmm. uh, more in depth is why so Audrey, you mentioned that Dragon Ball Z is kind of becoming a, a joke of itself. Yes. Like it's you're not quite sure what's serious anymore. There's a reason for that. And it is I wanna say it's in entirely Shonen Jump's fault, but there's a anime or manga magazine called Shonen Jump. And in the US generally, especially with kind of not so much shows like Friends or Frasier, we expect our story to come to an end at some point and to kind of have a coherent plot line and a build up and a satisfying conclusion with a moral thrown in here or there. 
The way that Shonen Jump works, the way that you stay in Shonen Jump as a manga could, is you keep the audience interested. The readers will actually vote on or which mangas they want to continue seeing no. from one That's week to the cool. next, and maybe one month to the next. It is cool, but as a consequence, what happens is, you know, as a manga cur, if you get kicked out, you're out of a job. And so oh, yeah. your number one priority is keeping the interest of the audience. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, like, the second that you said that, and the reason why I said no, <laughs> is because what happens when you have a series that really needs to end? Yeah. And it's just getting drawn out by, by its, its fans voters. that are... That's like good point. rabid fans that don't understand that a good thing is quickly getting ruined by their fanaticism. It's why it's really the reason why Naruto has gone on for like ten years or whatever yeah. ridiculous. Oh my of time. gosh! And even the fans at this point want it to die, but they're continuing it with a second series about Naruto's son. And but... there's literally, uh, there's literally an alien invasion. Oh no. Aliens are actually a thing. <laughs> oh no. Wait, it's aliens and ninjas? And ninjas and <laughs> I like this technology world. now. What? <laughs> like act there's I mean, Naruto jumped the shark a very, very long time ago. Oh no. But in I've been kinda like peeking through the next season, just kinda like, I don't know, nostalgia to amuse yeah. myself. Oh yeah. And at one point, a very powerful character who has been established as a very powerful character in the context of a ninja society pulls out a machine gun <laughs> and tries to mow some people down. And I'm just like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty out there. Decades of, of devoting yourself to the ninja way, channeling you know, your inner power and developing this team these techniques and aligning your chakras or whatever crap <laughs> that they do in Naruto. And you pull out a machine gun? Like, <laughs> no. I mean, it sounds like at this point the writers are like oh. trying to get themselves voted off. It's the entire show the, is broken. It's broken. <laughs> oh no. It's, it's really sad. Especially considering, you know, I remember in middle school watching they would have Naruto marathons and they would always start with the same episode. They wouldn't start with the first episode. They would start with the episode of Rock Lee facing Gara in the Chinon exams, which is like the next level of being a ninja. And it is from a middle school perspective and even a little bit from a 30 year old woman perspective. It is one of the coolest things you can see. <laughs> it's just like the stakes are real and the animation is great and it's just awesome and then they continue with the rest of the first hundred episodes or so and after that it's just like what is happening right now just stop it has almost a a, a uh, first three episodes of star wars kind of a feel oh where no you're just like you're trying to create this lore and this backstory <laughs> and it's just Japanese George Lucas, stop. Okay, okay. <laughs> Real talk. I've been watching Star Wars with Michael. We've been like, we started at the beginning with episode four, which I really don't like episode four. Five and six were awesome, but we just started watching the the prequels and they're the worst things in the entire world. So <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking right, about right now. Like I, I'm currently experiencing it. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. That's horrible. Yeah. Japanese George Lucas. Knock it off. So Shonen Jump and kind of the manga culture in general is not really conducive to somebody writing a story, wrapping it up conclusively in a decent amount of time and continuing to be employed at all the same time. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of animes out there that are very well written and very short and are just really nice. Uh, But they're also very kind of under the radar. They're not, they don't get big successes like the Shonen Jump serials. So in One Punch Man, um, or just tropes in general, uh, probably the most well-known trope in all of anime is I want to be the very best like no one ever was. (laughs) (laughs) That is kind of a central theme of a lot of animes. Naruto wants to be the Hokage. Luffy from One Piece wants to be the Pirate King. Ash Ketchum wants to be the Pokemon Master. And uh, for a lot of these characters, it's I want to be the very best. And... Uh, going back to this kind of seishin, just try harder mentality, they will train and train and try and try and fight and fight and fight until their spleen falls out in order to accomplish this goal. Yikes. Well, and that's really unfortunate for them because all three of us have already taken all of those titles. Yes! (laughs) I am definitely Hokage. Carmen is definitely already Pirate King, and you're definitely already the best Pokemon trainer. Yes, which is incredible, considering I don't play Pokemon Go. Well, that that's any... what makes you the best, is oh. that you're so good at it, you don't even need to no. participate. No. <laughs> You'll never be on my level. <laughs> nope. <laughs> there are a couple other kind of central themes that Shonen Anime commonly makes. Um, I'm taking most of these again from TV Tropes. Um, thank you, TV Tropes, for sponsoring this video. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's kind of this idea that if you just try super hard, you'll make it. Um, there's other uh, kind of sub-themes that you'll find a lot of the times. A common one is misery builds character or reality is suffering. And it's kind of the idea that if you endure, you will become strong. Another common one is uh, die or fly. Uh, it's the idea that everyone has a hidden power inside them that appears when you most need it. Uh, this is one kind of theme that shows up in Naruto uh, whenever he's been knocked out or uh, is in a very kind of stressful situation where he's going to uh, probably die. That's when the demon sealed inside him reveals itself and he you know, loses control and kind of has this berserk moment that overpowers whatever he's facing. There's several other ones. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about them. But right off the bat, Saitama doesn't follow any of these very well and sometimes just outright ignores them. Misery is character. In Saitama's case, kind of endured some some things uh, that were unpleasant early on in his life, but it's not nearly anything that approaches a tragic backstory. Hmm. One goes out of his way to let us know that Saitama is a completely ordinary person. (laughs) The first episode of the anime starts out with him getting laid off from his office job. Hmm. He's just a normal Japanese guy. He happens to come across a mysterious being who is uh, threatening to kill a kid for drawing uh, nipples on him. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) 
And because he's a crab monster known as Crablante, he can't wipe off these nipples because he has claws. <laughs> and he's going to kill this kid as a... As a oh no, I feel like that's an overreaction. <laughs> and I'll, he also, he became Crablante by eating too many crabs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that tracks. Yes. And so he faces this crab lante defeats him just through kind of his own tenacity but again it's not anything near you know that's a secret power inside him or anything he just happens to be you know, maybe a little more fit than the average individual a little more agile and also kind of in the moment he's like uh oh, if i don't do something this kid is going to be slaughtered right in front of me and i don't want that to happen but it, there's no unlocking of a hidden power. This isn't the moment that he gains his ultimate power. It's just, he's a normal guy, just wanting to do what's right. And uh, I think that's a very important theme throughout One Punch Man and kind of why the One Punch Man universe is in the other characters have, kind of have a hard time with Saitama because he doesn't fit what he's supposed to mm -hmm. be. <laughs> He doesn't have a tragic backstory. He doesn't have a secret power that is unlocked through a specific uh, amazing event. Oh, I was the chosen one the whole time. He is completely ordinary. And it, the result is that kind of the people in the story don't believe him. <laughs> they don't believe that he's actually as powerful. Some people kind of start to get the idea later on and they end up being kind of close to him in a way um, as close as uh, a very reserved ordinary Japanese man can get to anybody um, <laughs> they're kind of known for being a little standoffish right. um, uh, some other qualities uh, that are, tend to be kind of these central themes are uh, honor before reason that is you know, always act honorably mm -hmm. uh, even it means you must fail or die to do uh. so Saitama is in a position, a very unique position, where he doesn't have to act honorably. He's literally invincible. He, at one point, uh, by an enemy who proves to be very powerful, um, kicks him to the moon. <laughs> I he, love this! He lands on the moon. <laughs> goes, oh, I should probably, you know, hold my breath or something so I don't, you know, because it's vacuum. I don't really know, though. And then jumps back from the moon to Earth. <laughs> There's just nothing that can stop him. He's unstoppable. He is uh, thrown into a chasm uh, at one point that is created by another character and closed up around him at some point uh, in the webcomic. And he digs himself through the Earth out of this chasm to the surface, completely unharmed. <laughs> He is engulfed in flames the first episode that he meets his devoted disciple, Genos. It burns all of his clothes off, but he himself is unharmed. He has just in immeasurable strength. There's no point where he is tired or scratched or anything. He just has nothing, no consequences really can hold him. So he's in a very unique position where he can do whatever he wants. And yet... He acts like a very ordinary person. He knows that stealing is wrong and that you need to think about other people and, you know, kind of be courteous to them. And rather than acting like a tool, 
because he doesn't have to follow rules. Instead, he's kind of in a position where there's no reason to not be honorable because there's literally nothing holding him back. Now, I have uh, started to get into the manga a little bit when you uh, mentioned how, how entertaining it is. And the one thing that I've really loved about this main character, Saitama, is that he just looks so bored Yes, <laughs> throughout all of this. He gets kicked up to the moon and he's just like, huh, this is new. And then just goes back to Earth. Yes. Like, there's no worries about, again, like, oh, I guess I should hold my breath. But yeah, there's no worries about, like, am I going to freeze to death? Am I strong enough to get back there? Am I, like, he just goes back. And yeah, he gets engulfed in flames. And once the flames are gone, he's like, uh, are you done? <laughs> And it's just, it's really, that's where a lot of, I think, the entertainment comes from, is that he's put into all of these really stereotypical good guy versus bad guy situations, and oftentimes they just kind of sneak up on him, and the whole time he's just like, oh, okay, I guess I can deal with this right now, and just bored, looks bored the whole time. It also helps that he's bald, P.S. <laughs> After doing his modest... Uh, workout routine for the short amount of time of a year and a half all of his hair falls mm. off uh he becomes bald um and also becomes invincible i'm not sure how the two are related it never explains it he himself doesn't know <laughs> it's, it just happens so, it happens sometimes yeah yes uh one of uh my favorite things about saitama is not only is he incredibly bored by basically everything. He's not bored by absolutely everything. He cares immensely about sales. <laughs> sales! <laughs> like his job? Sales. Um, like getting good supermarket yeah. sales. Oh. Um, because he was laid off. Yeah. And up to this point in the story, he's been kind of working odd jobs. At the point that you meet him, he's working part-time in a convenience store. So he's very concerned about getting a good sale on fresh produce <laughs> and Saving as much money as possible. <laughs> Part of his training regimen is not using the AC or the uh, heating, no matter what. <laughs> and it's kind of under the guise of building endurance and kind of building that in strength internally. But really, it's just because he couldn't afford to pay the AC or the heating bill. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, um, he decides to become a hero as a hobby just kind of a little for fun. He starts working out and his workout regimen is as follows. 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, a 10 kilometer run, which is about 6.2 miles, three meals a day, just a banana for breakfast is fine. And absolutely do not turn on the AC or heating, no matter what, to <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. build this endurance. <laughs> wow. After a year and a half, all his hair falls out and he is completely omnipotent and has immeasurable strength. <laughs> it's like the opposite of Samson. Samson loses his yes. power yes. when he cuts his hair, but this guy loses his hair and gains all the power. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really interested by this uh, training regimen because now I want to think of my own training regimen. Yes. That would give me the ultimate power. And save money. I think it... And save money, yeah, because I think it definitely involves um, not driving around as much. 
yes. secretly to save on gas money, but you know, it'll be part of my training regimen. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be jogging as well. I'm not sure how I feel about the sit-ups. What would I replace my I'm not sure how with? I feel about the push-ups. That's what I'm... And the uh, push-ups. Yeah, the push-ups aren't great. You do plank. Plank. 100 planks. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That doesn't even make sense. 100 planks. Um, I don't know. I'll involve yoga of some sort. Just, like, stand in warrior one position for, like, a half hour yeah. a day. Yes. And... One of my favorite parts about uh, Saitama's particular training regimen is that when he tells people about this, he makes it very clear. No matter how much it hurts, yes. No matter, no how, matter much how much, your, no matter how much your shoulders pop, you have to do it every day. Man. Every day, just endure every day. <laughs> Even if you throw up, but again, it's just, <laughs> it's still subverting that fight until your spleen comes yeah. out, kind of an idea. Because what he's doing isn't actually that hard like (laughs) well yeah because after about i don't know maybe three months of doing that i think the average human being would be like okay yeah like it's still a little bit of an exercise but it's It's not not like killing me yeah yeah um there's actually i've actually seen people on the internet take this challenge and there are some gains you know they do acquire a bit of muscle um but Nobody's gotten all the gains yet. Yeah, nobody's hair has fallen out. At to, <laughs> you gain point. so much, you lose some. Up to this point. So one of the most charming things about One Punch Man uh, that a lot of animes actually kind of fail to do correctly is that there is they, they either try to overcompensate by fleshing out the world too much mm-hmm. or they don't flesh out the world at all and it kind of feels like the characters just walking around cardboard cutouts of everything. One does a really good job in that he doesn't introduce anything that's not necessary to the story. You know, there's no alien invasions. Uh, there's no people th- pulling out machine guns mm-hmm. for no reason. <laughs> you know, there's just there's just none of that. The world that Saitama lives in is a world where the entire continent of Japan is the entire world. <laughs> And it's not even called Japan. It just looks exactly like Japan. Yeah, and it's just the world. Yes. And the cities <laughs> or uh, the, you know, just kind of general areas uh, are so forgettable that they actually don't have names. They're <laughs> referred to as City A, City B, City C. Saitama at one point accidentally acquires a disciple. Doesn't particularly want this disciple, but he's kind of indifferent either way because at this point in the story, he's indifferent to most things, just kind of adrift. And he starts talking to his disciple, Genos, who is everything a main character should be. He has a tragic backstory, which is the the trope of the genocide backfire, where uh, his entire town was slaughtered by a a mad cyborg, and he was the, the sole survivor and has become a cyborg to find this cyborg that killed his family and everyone in his town and gain revenge. Um, and he's just incredibly handsome and super cool. <laughs> you know, when he fights, his style is you know incredibly like flashy and you know, he has names for his moves, <laughs> which is a very common thing in shonen manga and anime. Uh, Saitama does also have names for his moves, but most people, when they have names for their moves, it sounds cool. It's like, 
machine gun blow and Genos punches whatever he's fighting really fast, you know, like a machine gun. Saitama also has some named moves. Again, he doesn't really, not really a cool main character. So his, <laughs> the names for his moves are things like normal punch. And when he's serious, he has a serious punch. <laughs> and serious consecutive side hops is a move that he uses at some point that completely obliterates one of his enemies and his enemy lying on the ground you know, asks, you know, what kind of move was that? And Saitama replies simply, I just, you know, hopped side to side really fast. Um, and that's his move is just, just hop side to side really fast, which he can do at a speed that is, uh, it's suggested by his ability to jump from the moon to the earth in a matter of seconds that he Whoa. can move at uh, just supersonic speeds, just faster right. possibly than the speed of light. That's incredible. Yes. <laughs> um, lightning, fast reflexes, just the whole thing. Any situation you could pull him, put him into, he is completely unbothered by and victorious in. No weaknesses, just nothing. He is God. <laughs> and, and yet he wears a yellow onesie. Yes. yes. He has a hero suit, which is a yellow onesie. Uh, with a zipper on the front, a cape, just kind of stereotypically, and he has bright red gloves and boots. <laughs> it's not attractive. It doesn't fit him very well. Um, but later on, you learn that it was made for him by somebody that he helped out with, a, with some kind of problem. Um, but rather, as, as well, rather than being some touching backstory, it's just kind of like, Oh, you made this for me. Great. <laughs> kind of hoping it'd be cooler, but all right. <laughs> There's one particular kind of mini story that I found particularly touching because uh, he's brought into the police station and the police are complaining to him about just kind of heroes in general and how, you know, heroes are taking policemen's jobs and, <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a lot of petty crime that you don't need superheroes for and that you can just ask for the policemen for. Yeah. And, you know, policemen are also very capable of taking down minor monsters. And in the midst of this, the police station gets attacked by a monster. <sighs> and, of course, the policemen are not able to handle it because it's out of their league. And what Saitama ends up doing is he ends up getting dressed up as a police officer and defeating the monster and giving the credit to the policeman and it's it's just ultimately a, an extremely sweet story you know it's just a kind of standalone again just kind of a standalone uh, side thing and and yeah it's just it's incredibly important i think to show saitama's character that when he knows that he can defeat all of the monsters, he looks for other ways to help people. And I think that's very poignant. I think uh, on that note, uh, one of the things to remember about One Punch Man is that a lot of the monsters started out as people. They uh, become obsessed with something um, and they let that obsession consume them is usually what happens. Um, and 
I think through Saitama and kind of his actions, like at the police station, his attitude isn't, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm such a nice person. But his attitude is just, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's no preamble or, oh, I've overcome so many obstacles or, oh, the power of love and or anything like that. It's just this will help restore faith in mm. policemen. And when citizens see that, they're going to appreciate the policemen more. And that's what needs to be done. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, he, he mentions times that he would like to have a fan club at some point. <laughs> but it's not a preoccupation. Nothing really is a preoccupation except for sales uh, at <laughs> the local supermarket. Such um, a cute detail. It really is. And it makes it so relatable, too. Because yeah. let's be honest, like... You see bananas that are like five cents off and all of a sudden you're like, ooh. (gasps) Gotta get some bananas. I need those bananas. I think one of the deeper points that is explored in One Punch Man with the context of, you know, the police station uh, and monsters uh, originally being people of all of the time or being created as a consequence of, you know, poor actions of people. Saitama doesn't fit into any of the usual tropes of having, you know, a secret power or the power of love or just nothing, you know, he's not a wizard Harry. (laughs) Nothing, nothing like that. And I think that kind of makes the overall theme of One Punch Man, uh, a, a theme of One Punch Man, is that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. One of the things that comes up over and over again in One Punch Man alongside this policeman experience uh, being taken into the police station is uh, frequently a monster will arrive and people will be like, oh, the heroes, call the heroes and, you know, dispatch them and, you know, they'll kind of take care of it. And a lot of these heroes do fit into a, a trope where they are born with their abilities or they devoted themselves for years to doing this one thing that can defeat monsters and after all this training that spanned decades of you know your spleen's coming out you know they finally achieved this master move that can Hmm. defeat most monsters not all of them because that's what Saitama does Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's kind of a poignant a poignant thing to look out for when watching One Punch Man is that it really, you really don't have to be Harry Potter or Deadpool or whatever to have an impact. Do you have any closing thoughts? I mean, I thought that was a very good closing. Yeah, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to find out how I can watch it. I'm so intrigued. I just, I just, I want to watch, I just want to watch him you know, punch people and go for sales at the supermarket. <laughs> it um, just seems so likable. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, you can actually watch it on Hulu. That's where I started oh, watching it. Good to know. Thank um, you, Hulu, for sponsoring our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, this Thank media. You. Thank you for sponsoring our podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have so many sponsors this podcast. It's I great. Know, our popularity from last week to this week is just like skyrocketed. It really has. Yeah. Um, I can I can quit my job now. I can just do podcasting full time with all oh of my our gosh, sponsors this week. Don't even don't even oh, that would be such a dream. That would be so much fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much for recording with us today, Mary Jane. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, these these episodes with guests are a lot of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, really they really are. I did. They exposed me to things that I would have never really been. Have, I mean, I have the opportunity. That's silly, but I just would never have taken the time to look into it. But hearing someone else who is passionately involved in it makes me want to, you know, be a part of it too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening in. As always, you can check us out on our Twitter at Kittens and Kanye. And our Instagram at Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. And until next time, I'm Audrey Stratton. I'm Carmen Thorley. And this has been Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. Bye.